When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, I got a very special treat for you today. We got two guests for the price of one. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Bob Nelson and Mario Tamayo. Uh, Dr. Nelson is president of Nelson Motivation, Inc., and is the world's leading authority on employee recognition and engagement. He has worked with 80% of the Fortune 500 companies and authored over 30 books, including the multi-million copy bestseller, 1001 Ways to Reward Employees. Mario Tamayo is principal with the Tamayo Group, Incorporated has more than 30 years of experience in maximizing human performance, working with organizations such as Gentech, Amelin Pharmaceuticals, Petco, General Dynamics, and the U.S. Men's Volleyball Team. And these gentlemen are co-authors of the book that we'll talk a lot about here today, Work Made Fun Gets Done, Easy Ways to Boost Energy, Morale, and Results. Dr. Nelson, Mario Tamayo, thank you for being guests on the responsible leadership podcast today thanks for having us earl yeah so um listeners have heard already in the the pre-roll bio uh, about what all you gentlemen are about and the book uh title work made fun gets done easy ways to boost energy morale and results and i love that and it makes me excited to hear how you guys answer the first question i ask all of my guests uh, when you hear the term responsible leadership, what does that mean to you, gentlemen? <clears throat> to me, it means, uh, Dr. Bob speaking here, that um, a someone that has a, a balanced perspective, that they they are on the things they do, that they don't automatically do, you know, just what the boss said or just what uh, seems to be the convenient answer, that they, they give some thought to doing the right thing for everyone involved 
uh, which is can be the employee, it could be them, it could be the company, um, the client certainly, but it's, it's kind of a, not a rush to rush to act, but a, a thoughtful a thoughtful response. That's what strikes me on a responsible leader. That's what they do. How, how about you, Mario? Well, I look at it as somebody who who knows and embraces the concept that he's a in a privilege he or she's in a privileged position to lead. He he or she uh, identifies the mission and makes sure makes sure that everybody who that person is leading knows what that mission is and then does everything possible to make sure those people have what they need to help make the mission get the mission accomplished which means they take care of the people that they lead because you know the old saying is if if you don't have people who is going to follow you then you're not going to be a leader and and, and it's up to that per that leader to make sure that people's eyes are always on what the mission is you know dr bob remember that old story about uh about the two generals that are planning to go into battle the night before and they're having that discussion earl i see you smiling there do you know that story well i've heard a bunch of jokes about generals and a bunch of stories <laughs> so i'm actually curious which one this is so feel free to share okay this is the one where two generals are are looking over the battlefield where they're going to send their troops down and one general says sergeant bring me my red cape and his sergeant comes over and he brings a red cape the other general looks at that he says what are you doing with the bright red cape, you're going to be a you're going to be a dead duck. You're just going to be a big target out there. And the general says, "Well, I got to tell you, my job is to make sure that my men continue on with the mission here. I want to keep them focused. So if I ever get shot, I want to make sure they don't know that I'm shot." And the other general says, "Hmm, very good, very good." He says, "Sergeant, bring me my brown pants." <laughs> I love it. Yes, I, I do remember that joke, and out of decorum, I, I didn't want to tell it. <laughs> well, you, you don't have to worry about that here. We got we got a bunch of veterans that that, that listen here, a bunch of entrepreneurial types, yeah. so they, they probably heard that uh, a couple of times. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Yeah. Uh, but you know, look, I, and I love it, and this is this is what I love about having this conversation. And, and you know, listeners, you weren't privy to some of the the pre. Uh, pre-recorded discussion we had, but you can tell that th these gentlemen, you know, live what they, they write about having fun. And, and I'm kind of curious, if you will, because I think every, um, every great legacy starts with some type of origin story. So how did you gentlemen meet and, and get together to write such a, a great book like this? Bob, you start. We, we got the story for you here. We, Mario and I met actually true fact at Walt Disney world and, Orlando, Florida, happiest place on earth. So isn't that a good start for a relationship? Not, 1988, November of 1988. We met at the okay, so airport. You both live in California now, yes. but you met at Disney in Orlando. Okay, Where okay. we lived in California then as yeah. well. So okay. we were both there at the invitation of uh, Dr. Ken Blanchard, who's a uh, co-author of The One Minute Manager, which has sold 15 million copies. And he was... Um, enticing us to come work with him. So we were there for a, a behind the scenes tour of, of Walt Disney World that was, was run by one of his good friends, uh, Bob Small. 
So it was delightful. And we found out at the airport that we were going to be rooming together for the week. (laughs) Yeah. It's there where I found out that Bob Nelson does not work. I mean, he does not sleep. All he does is work. (laughs) Get get it straight, Mario. Yeah. (laughs) So so the first time y'all met, your roommates. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And those, and it was a big surprise at the airport, as Bob says. We had no idea, never met each other, and then, hey, you're going to be living each other for for five days. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. So it was a great a great trip, and learned a lot from Disney. And uh, I went on to work with Disney for 15 years, uh, and they were actually part of my doctoral dissertation on the topic of employee recognition, and why, although it's the most proven principle in the world that you get what you reward, what you notice, you get more of. Uh, most managers don't do that. And I set out to try to find out why that was the case. And um, and on a three-year study, end up doing, actually, before I finished my, 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 my program, I ended up publishing a book about it. And that book, A uh, Thousand One Ways to Reward Employees, um, went on to sell over 2 million copies. It's now in the 64th printing. So, and, ba- and based on that success of that book, Bob's written a. This is th- this book we have now. Work made fun is his thirty first book, and almost all of Bob's book have the same kind of design. Where let's come up with low and no cost ways to get something done, to get what you so need done. They're all they're all research based, but once once in that in that frame. Um, I have uh, used a lot of real life examples. So it's not a book about theory and, and charts. And it's, it's like, here's here's a principle. It actually works. Don't take my word for it. Here are real examples from actual people and how they use it, what it looks like and what results they got. So it makes it an overwhelming case for uh, the topic uh, and makes it easy for someone else to get involved. Uh, so you don't have to, do you want to do the right thing? It, you know, it starts with doing one one piece of that. And if you see it works for you as well, then you can expand on your own journey. So I provide a resource to help you get there. And you asked us about responsible leadership. So right. our the books are made so that a responsible leader will pick it up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give this to my team, my staff, and I'm going to have them mark up the things, the ideas in this book that they would like to do. Yeah. And then they make then he or she makes sure that they happen. Yeah, so it kind of, they can easily personalize it for their own work group, and now it's a customized handbook for motivation for your people. So you sometimes I find managers get in their own way and and trying to uh, you know, or they want to they want to be the the person in charge, and they get a power trip and smartest person in the room, and and uh, you know that's not what it's about. You know, I I was lucky to. Um, work with Dr. Peter Drucker, the father of modern management on my right. doctoral work. And, and he defined management as getting the work done through others. So it's not, it's not proving that you're smarter than everybody and not making other people look bad. It's, it's, it's being there for them, uh, find out, getting to know them, find out what they need to do the job well, but also what their aspirations are, what they want to do after this, what they want to do for their career, and being part of helping them get there. Uh, to get the job done, if need be, to roll up the sleeves of cells and and, and work with them, uh, but to find out what assistance they need and how they can be helped, uh, and then, um, wow, you're doing a good job. What 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 do you want this to lead to? What would you like to do next? And 
how can I help you get, get you there? So it's, it's yeah. a uh, sacred, sacred trust and an honor to be a leader, to be a manager. And some actually call it you know, servant leadership to uh, make, make sure it's not all about you and your ego and the power trip. But it's about being the best to help your people be their best. And once you do that, it becomes it comes back on you. You know, people think twice about leaving someone that's a leader like that. And so you you will in my in my instance in my career, I've seen people that are good at this. They become a magnet for talent, and they and they um, and when people work for them, they they think twice or three times about leaving, even for for a job that for more money that they now and I don't know. <laughs> It's very few le leaders that we work for in our, our life that, that will stand out. It's like one out of four or five that that was a great manager to work for. And so I don't know what the next person is going to be like. I'm, I like sticking with this person. <laughs> and so a lot of times the manager will leave for another company and, and uh, they'll follow them there because they've got a relationship. They've got a good come, come with me or they, they get established and then um, make sure that they're offered a job. That's very common. I had um, my my wife's uh, a manager, and she had uh, a, a recent job that she she left, and she she was managing like a dozen. I think it was like all all men too, by the way, in computer science, and she and she's uh, announced that she was going to be leaving. She had she had one guy who's probably in his forties, and he cried. He said, I, I can't believe it. You've been such a great manager. <laughs> he was, it's like, whoa, you guys are, it's hard to get that from someone, uh, you know, if, they, if it's not real, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, that 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 was a lot of good, good guidance right there. I mean, if we ended the podcast right there, that was solid gold. But I, I really do want... the book. Yes, okay. <laughs> well, it's been real fun, Earl. <laughs> I, I do want to circle back to uh, uh, something you mentioned there uh, kind of real quick. And, and, and I want you guys to kind of really unpack this piece a little bit here, because you mentioned, you know, what you what you recognize, what your reward gets done. And in my experiences working with folks, the problem is, is, and this is kind of human nature, uh, too many leaders, too many managers really kind of focus on and reward negatively bad behaviors. And they pay attention to that. And then they sit there and they wonder, why do I have a bad culture? Why do I just get bad behaviors? Well, like you said, that's all you're paying attention to. So that's, that's kind of what gets, you know, that's what gets done, right? Well, what happens if they're called out for the bad behaviors and then their attention focuses on hiding mistakes you know? <laughs> and then avoiding the manager, you know, because he never had something good to say. So uh, I don't want to be the person that, that is the victim of something went wrong. And where were you during that? You know, so uh, we end up, uh, you know, KYA and uh, covering their ass and, and being, being defensive and you know, spending time writing emails to show that you weren't involved with the case that goes south, you know, and it's just a lot of waste of time that, that um, it's, it's bad when we force employees into that position. Earl, you know, in most, uh, most businesses, people receive four times as much negative feedback than they do positive feedback. And that's the reason why people hate uh, annual, annual performance reviews. And that's why they hate when they hear a boss or manager says, Hey, come see me or we need to talk because they think it's all going to be about the negative. And so we try to get people to reverse that and give four times as much positive feedback yes. than, yeah. than the negative. 
And actually, yeah. just to add to that, the um, latest research from Gallup organization, they actually put that ratio, Mario, at at six to one. Oh, six to that, one now. Yeah, six. That positive positive consequences, positive reinforcement, is six times more powerful than than doing nothing or doing a negative consequence to a, uh, a behavior. So, um, it's, and and I'll say that the beauty of it is that when you give the positive feedback, you give it in a way that the person really wants to receive it. And that's another beauty of the books that we have is, is there's so, there's different strokes for different folks, and not everybody would call fun, you know, one thing fun, and have somebody else call it fun. Somebody else might say that's not fun, or somebody might say I really appreciate that feedback because it was public. And somebody says, "Ooh, that would scare me. I'd rather have it private." So we got to know our people and then deliver our messages to them the way they want to receive it. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a great point because uh, you know we were talking about a lot of military experience and, and and that stuff before we started recording and and you know we had this thing that that we called in the military uh, mandatory fun right where you know the the <laughs> the CEO or whatever would be like hey we're going to have a barbecue and everybody will be there and you will have fun and you will like it well, you will bring not- your family and they will enjoy it <laughs> right and, and that's not how you get people to have fun right I mean for some people right. sure. But you can't tell people how to have fun. And it's what I love about it is is one of the shields I talk about at the Phalanx is, is, you know, getting to know your people and looking out for their welfare. And that's exactly what you're talking about here, right? Exactly. There's a, the, you know, the, the golden rule, people, a lot, a lot of people follow the golden rule and we feel that's not good enough. The golden rule is, you know, doing to others the way we want to be done unto. But what if, what if we do something to somebody else the way we want it and they don't prefer it that way? So we say... The plat use the platinum rule. Platinum rule. That's doing to others the way they need to be done unto. Yeah, it's only a one-word change. This is an example that a lot of times managers will think about. Well, what what would be exciting for them? And it's it's sometimes it aligns with what employees want, but often it doesn't because they're we're all in a different position. So, uh, Mario and I work for a company where uh, the CEO wanted was going to do an, a golf outing for everybody. And uh, because he's a golfer and he loved it, and and uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, like you said, mandate fun. We're gonna have a great time, and and people were petrified. Uh, what what do I wear? Um, I've never golfed. I'm gonna look silly. People are gonna laugh at me, and and they didn't want to go, you know, and and uh, so. Um, or they'd say, I don't really want to play on the hole that's got the windmill on it. <laughs> but we were playing a real course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's you gotta go beyond. Uh, Good intentions to and that's part of the responsible part of, of, of doing figuring out what is the right thing and, and collecting some information and talking to some people and and um, not just jumping in well let's do this uh, I think that's fun so that's good enough it's like nah, no that's not good enough so so the smart leader is gonna say you know instead of me deciding I'm gonna get people from a cross-section of my organization and I'm gonna have them go out and find out what would work best and then they make it happen or we have one example in the book where, again, a CEO gave us a story on, just like I said, he said they try to do a couple things each year for company morale, and he, he would pick something, and no one, never, whatever he picked, you know, it seems like more people were unhappy than happy. And then he had another executive try it, and same results. And so instead of pushing on a rope, he, 
decided to find someone that really wanted to do this. And he got a millennial, a young, a young person say, would you like to, yeah, I'd love to do that. And he used social media tools to find out, to survey people and to find out the best times, uh, you know, that didn't conflict with other family activities. And, and uh, they did something they never had done before. And it was a wild success. They, they actually, I remember what, what they decided to do was they, they did one of these uh, medieval night uh, shows where you, where they've got a whole show and they serve turkey legs and stuff. And, and the kids loved it. The family loved it. The management executives all loved it. It was, it was a home run, you know, so uh, they came at it differently and got a much better result. And then so there's some leaders who realize that if, if we're going to be serious about performance, we got to get serious about fun. And so what they do is they get people at the, from the very top in the organization at the C-suite and they have somebody who's in charge of fun. So they have VPs of fun right there near near you, uh, Earl, over there in in uh, North Carolina. There's a design firm called the the Kimley Horn Firm, and they have a vice president of fun. And then over in Colorado, we've been working with an organization where their core values. Sky are they, team. Yeah, what what do they have there? Sky, Sky team. Well, they have they have uh, four of their eight core values are different types of fun. So yeah. they're really you know, uh, charting out, uh, this is what we're going to be about. This is, uh, what we have fun with clients. We have fun with each other. We're going to have fun, um, with on all aspects of, of the work that we're doing. So that's, that's, uh, and so whether that's a, a formal title like that, that Mario mentioned, or it's that you have, you start a fun committee, uh, which, uh, the, the president of Belmont college in Nashville, he, he did a sabbatical and he, all I did was visit high-performing companies to see what they were doing differently. And he came back, and the first thing he said is, they're all places that have a lot of fun. We've got to have more fun here. And, and, he, and he set up a fun committee that, you know, that uh, uh, and, and got, got people that were interested in, that, in doing that. Uh, they met monthly. Uh, he could give them some budget to work with, but you don't have to do that. And, so, uh, so, Bob, is this a gut feel thing? Is that people say we got to have more fun because they just feel in their gut that that would be a good thing? Or well, I think it's, there's some evidence based. If he visited companies and, and saw, and, and actually we used some of that research ourselves, Mario, in the book that we we uh, looked at the uh, best places to work institute out of San Francisco, and they uh, use a criteria to create the 100 best places to work that's pub published by Fortune magazine each year. And the data on that is the companies on that list, uh, their employees, 82% uh, say where they work is a fun, fun place to work. And, and we compare that to the companies that apply for that award that don't win it. And, and the answer that that same question is only 61% said they work in a fun place. So that 19% that differential was actually the highest differential of any variable in the study. So it's, if you're serious about performance and being a top company, you got to take this topic seriously. And we've got to move beyond saying, well, wait a minute, fun's what people do on the weekends on their own time. Work is where we pay them. That's what you got to do what we tell you. It's like, well, that's maybe the way it used to be in 1920 or something. But, but today we have merged work life with personal life. I, I don't know anyone that doesn't you know, look at some emails from work at, at in the evening or on the weekend or maybe even on vacation. And so as we steal from personal time uh, with the work we do, we've got to actually make 
make some of that work be fun as well so we can look forward to coming to work and, and doing our best work now earl with this with with the pandemic and and people working remotely and people the, the people who used to have those one and a half to two hour commutes they're they're thinking twice about that now in fact i don't think that's ever going to happen again and yeah. one reason for that is they're thinking about and they're reshuffling their life to say what's really important here and what they're saying is i what's important to my my life is my family and you know the value that i put into helping other people in my community and you know what what what's a socially redeeming job that i can get that's going to make a difference versus me having to just go and and and, uh, and and struggle and and get all stressed out over and for the 71% of employees whose jobs uh, shifted to being remote or virtual over the pandemic um most of those people said, you know, I kind of like this. I like the flexibility and, and uh, I don't, they're not in a hurry to get back. Only 15% of employees said that they are, even want to come back to the central office. This, we've proved that this works from a distance. So why, why should I be in that two-hour commute? You know, why, what, you know, and, and, you know, the younger generation, you know, they say, let me get this straight. <clears throat> I was working on on my home, my computer in my home. I had to pack it up, go take a shower, get dressed, drive into work for 45 minutes, get to my cubicle, and open the same laptop to keep working the same project. What's wrong with this picture? Why couldn't I kept doing this at home? If it's because you don't trust me, let's talk about how we can handle your trust issue. Do you want to call me every 15 minutes? Do you want me to log my time? Do you want to have an open Slack channel? Uh, whatever you say is to make you comfortable because the employee is already comfortable. It's working for them. And, and yeah, they might take a break and go put their laundry in, you know, uh, or they, or they might go work. work out and they might have some fun, but that's the whole thing is they're realizing, Hey, the whole person here, the whole me needs to take care of me. And you get a better response if you if you use the whole me. So I I, I sell, my wife just celebrated on, on finishing the project. Took a walk around the block. You know, it's like it's 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 not that hard to say. Let people figure out what works best for them and support them in that in that regard. So a responsible leader today would would not say we got to we got to get back to the office. You know, we got a big building there. We got the uh, a lease that we got to pay. Well. Maybe you should sublease. Maybe you should get out of the lease. You know, you gonna force us to do this to make you feel better to justify <laughs> having a big building? Come on, it's getting you're making it worse instead of better. <laughs> or, yeah. or no, I, you guys, I, you guys are dead on there. No, I love it. I love it. This is no, great no, no, you you added the word on. You should have just left it at you guys are dead. <laughs> Well, you know what? In all honesty, there's probably some some folks who are listening to this probably thinking that like, no, we got to go back to the way we were because they don't like change. But uh, yeah, you know, kind yeah. of backing up a little bit, you know, one of the things, and I think this is one of the great things about what you all are saying, right? Is is this this move? Is yes, everything you all said, and going with the improv thing there, right? Um, <laughs> talking to a bunch of HR folks here recently, you know, they said one of the, the great trends, especially like in Silicon Valley and, and a lot more companies is, you know, they realize that they don't have to recruit from those same talent pool areas. They don't have to right. make people move to LA. They don't have to make people move to New York. They can go into, uh, you know, Podunk, Northeast Tennessee, where I grew up and find a coder that, that, you know, maybe speaks Southernese, but can still code and can work for Google or whatever. Right. 
and, Bob, and you get a Bob's lot more got talent. a guy. Bob's got a guy doing his powerpoints from India. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and he's he, he's he's moonlights. He's an engineer, and he and he does and he's very fast. And and the and the prices are are just a fraction of where I'd pay even an intern. You know, um, so it works for him. He's very good. It works for me. Uh, work is is going to where it can be done best, and that's yeah. could be not just in your neighborhood. It could be around the country or around the globe. There's uh, sources like Elance. Uh, where people post availability to work on projects or on a uh, contract basis. Um, some 3 million people are, are on there. You can, you can find any type of skill for any type of work. And so this is, the reality has changed and the work has changed yeah. and, and we, we need to change with it. There, there's a, um, the CEO of Morgan Stanley, he recently said, if you can go out to dinner in New York City, you can come to the office in New York City and and well, bravo, you can. So if he makes everyone come back to the office because he says so. I guess if you pay people enough, maybe they'll do anything. But that's not that's not the reality. Three and a half million people moved out of New York City during the pandemic. Three and a half million people. And for a lot of them, they said, hey, if I'm if I could do this, if I'm working now from home, I don't need to be in a little apartment in Manhattan. Let's go. Let's go to you know West Virginia or, or Pennsylvania and, and get a nicer house in a nicer community and and actually have a family experience. And and now you know it's popping up. There are a lot of communities are popping up as kind of Zoom communities. You know that, with, that's, <laughs> uh, that, that's happening in my hometown, little little town, Irwin, Tennessee. Up until the pandemic. Most people, if you if you Googled Irwin, Tennessee, uh, probably the first thing that pops up is, and I'm I'm not making this up. In the early 1900s, my hometown hung an elephant. Uh, yeah, it was. There's this whole story. This elephant gets loose. We're we're a railroad town. We had a crane for moving railroad cars. Uh, murderous Mary gets loose, stomps a bunch of people. They sentence her to death, and they're like, "Hey, we got a big crane. Let's hang an elephant, right?" But oh, man. I'm not but laughing now, at this. I am not be known for something. I'm not sure that's what I, I'd want. But. but but now, like, there's all like what you're talking about, like property values. You can't buy a home in that town for under three hundred thousand dollars now because those folks are moving out and they're paying cash because that's a fraction of what they paid in in New York or, or L.A. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, um, but I wanted to really quick come back to but before I forget about it, because, uh, you know, my brain, um, you said something I think was beautiful there, there, Mario. And it reminds me in the military, we got a saying that uh, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And you said, uh, if you want to be serious about performance, you got to be serious about fun. And both of those sayings seem a little bit on the surface, kind of counterproductive to one another. But just like the, the, the slow is smooth, smooth is fast, getting serious about fun, as we've talked about, is, is it's really an accelerator. It's a productivity builder, right? Yeah, it is. And it's, the, it, you know, Deloitte organization actually said the 2020s are the decade of fun because they realized that fun at work is now the top, uh, is now the top competitive advantage organizations and bob the, the the stats that bob gave about the best places to work in america that all points to the the proof really the proof's in the pudding that 
we got to have more fun at work if you're going to compete and be at the top of your, in your of your industry. And and so and let me just again clarify: it's that we're not saying fun in lieu of work. We're not mm-hmm. just saying how what's the biggest part we can do and how can we keep it going all day. We're, <laughs> say, we're saying uh, fun as you get the work done, as as you find ways to reward yourself or find ways like, for example, a lot of people like listening to music when they work. It's like, well, let them do that. <laughs> have fun, headphones or whatever. Uh, and and like a baby boomer, sometimes I, I run to the baby boomer is, is offended because a millennial has has earphones in and he's trying is he trying to isolate himself from the group? You go, well, yeah, talk to him about it. He's gonna say, well, I just like listening to music. If it bothers you, I can take them off. You know, and it's not it's not the big issue that you're making it out to be. You know, even even <laughs> classical music. <laughs> well, that brings up an interesting story, Mario. I had, oh, I had in doing in doing the interviews for this this book, and as Mario indicated, that one of the surprises to me is that there's no people, no two people have the same definition of fun. So, what's fun to one one person is not fun to someone else, but they have some other things that are fun to them. So, that the, the topic is very broad and very rich. And uh, I interviewed um, this one woman out of L.A., and she said, "When I really want to do." Uh, my best work, meaningful work, I put on, um, I, I click on the internet, a concert Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo Ma, a famous cellist, did in 2015 to 8,000 people. He played for three hours straight from memory. And and you listen to it, and it's like you, you're feeling God move through him. It's just beautiful. It's, it's whatever I'm working on, when I put that music on, I feel I'm doing more meaningful work. And I, I do it to my best, and I, I and and uh, I hung up from that, that call, and, and I tried it. And she was right. <laughs> it's like it's just you can't help but be inspired by this passion music, and you can bring that into your life as simple as a click on the internet. <laughs> it's and, and so everyone has different strategies, and we we tried to capture the best that we heard over four hundred actual practices on things you can do for your own work. But also things, if you're part of a team, what you could do as a, as a team to make even more things happen. And then we've already referenced a few things you can do as, a, as an organization to make this part of our culture going forward. So it's easier for people to, to uh, have fun. Well, and, and, and I like that example because, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, have, I'll say relatively mild ADHD, right? And I'm the I'm the guy that usually has headphones on, especially when I'm in a crowded environment. And and it's usually if you look on it, uh, Spotify, shameless plug, they don't sponsor the the show. But, hey, if you're listening, let's let's make it happen. Uh, but they have a great list. It's, it's just called Focus and it's got some classical music and some other stuff there. But, you know, for me, it's what helps keep me from being distracted and it makes me more productive. And that goes back to knowing your people and what is fun or, or what works for them. Right. Another example right now, we're recording this in, in February, early February, the winter Olympics are going on. And if you were to watch the, the skiing events now, you'd find it odd, but these, many of these competitors have ear, earphones in their, you know, wearing them as they are, doing their event and they want it helps them to stay focused they really enjoy it and a person who is uh, feeling comfortable having fun is relaxed enough to do their best work and that's what they're banking on yeah so it's a a stress on a practical level if you have fun it's it it, uh, notches down the stress 
you know, of, of the pressure of the job, of the pressure of the deadline. Um, it's easier to accomplish the best work possible and to make the goals if you if you have an eye on uh, how, how to make it fun for your yourself and for others. And it, and it could be, again, again, I, I loved all the strategies we learned just from interviewing people and collecting items. You know, a simple technique like um, someone being stuck on something, we all get stuck in our work. And as one person said, what I do is I, you know, this works for me. You know, I, I put on a timer for, for 20 minutes and I, I block out everything. I just focus on that one thing that I'm procrastinating with or whatever. And it, it, I get into the flow and it just, it just happens. It's like you can use a good idea from anyone that, and often it'll work for you as well. So again, when you get the book, you look at the book, we have uh, mm-hmm. what 15 chapters in here. Uh, and one of them is all on how to make fun happen in the virtual work environment. And the whole point is you can pick up this resource book and look for an idea to help your folks have more fun. And if you don't find something on one page, then you just turn the page and there's probably going to be something out on the next page that you can try. And, and again, the, most of the ways in this book are low cost or no cost ways. It doesn't cost a lot of money to have fun. Yeah. And then if we do, do something that's fun for me this time, next time let's do what, what you want to do. So again, have it be a collaborative type thing. Uh, and it could be as simple as like Mario and I, we worked in a department together. We always, we always had fun wherever we've worked for <laughs> 35 years. We've known each other. We've had fun, but we, you know, we would brainstorm what else could we try. And so we had, um, we'd start department meetings. We'd have, let's start each meeting with a, a joke. Who'd like to go, you know, next week. And we just rotate the responsibility of, of starting us with a joke and, and uh, for those people that weren't good at jokes, you got a week to practice. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and even if the joke wasn't that good, we'd still laugh. You know, yeah. it, was, it was just fun. And, and it, helped pe- it helped make people more participative in the meetings. They were more engaged. And it got to the point where our meetings got to be pretty loud. Where One person wanted to talk before somebody else was finished. So we had to come up with a, 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 a rule and Bob brought in a big giant coconut. He says, from now on, whoever's got the coconut can talk. So people were always, ba- throw me the coconut. Throw me the, I want to talk. My turn. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it kind of helped us to control the, the chaos of people so excited about working together and the job they're doing that yeah. it's getting in our own now, way. Now, one other thing, uh, Earl, as well, is one time we were really focused on this, this big deadline for one of our products because we were in a product development area. And we said, you know what? When we make this deadline, we're going to have a surprise for you. It's something you guys have been talking about for the last few weeks. And what we did is when we made that deadline, we took a uh, an afternoon popcorn movie break. And what we meant by that is popcorn lunch. We put a sign on the door. We says we're out for the rest of the afternoon. We took our whole entire team to the debut opening of Jurassic Park. And on the sign we put on the door was gone for the afternoon at a paleontology workshop. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I got to tell people were just so pumped about it that it just kept going. It snowballed. The next thing, oh, I can't wait to work on this and get this thing done because maybe we're going to get to go do, you know, go to the wild animal park or or whatever. And it was, it was a, it was easy hiring people. 
It was, oh, we yeah. had people lined up that wanted to work in our department. And in fact, the the, the one kind of problem <laughs> that came up is the other other managers kind of got you know a little bitter about what you know either, what are you guys doing? And people are so pumped up, or they say, "Yeah, Bob shouldn't be uh, able to do that." You know how how come he could take all his staff to uh, you know out to a movie in the middle of the day? You know how come? Yeah, and, how dare and, he not have people hate him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, I wouldn't I, mind defending that. Say, so, well, let me let me show you the results we got here. Let me show you how we beat the budget estimates. Let me let me show you the letter we got from the client. You know, so your department gets does some of these things. You can take the day off too. Now, <laughs> you know, Bob got in hot water one time too. Uh, three months after I started working for the company, I t- I, I, far, I I told Bob. I said I informed Bob. I said, you know, Bob. I think I might have forgot to tell you that I made arrangements to take my wife uh, on a one-month vacation to Europe. And this was three months after I started with the company. And you know what Bob said? He said, you know, you've been doing a pretty good job here. Go for it. But when I left, Bob got hit by the CEO of the corporation. What did he tell you, Bob? Uh, I don't know what he told me. I put it out of my mind, but he, he I got <laughs> – I'm not going to, you know, he can't give me too much hot water. It's sort of like, I said, Mario deserved it. And, and, uh, and then, and he he came up with something, well, okay, then you'll have to be, have to translate that into a, into a bonus. And and you gave him time equal to this amount of money. Yeah, whatever, whatever works for you. He said, said, it's against our policy. And Bob says, you know what? Policies should make sense. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i love it yeah, the, I love the worst it. Well, is doing it if we do it for you then we have to do it for everyone well maybe you should do it for everyone <laughs> you know? why not right? if, if they're if they're performers and yeah. they've been here a certain amount of time maybe you should do that that's a great idea wait i see a no. hand up from earl earl go ahead this is great you guys are awesome uh no but if you guys were, were saying it, it reminded me of uh, i love the coconut thing because um, you, you all probably remember uh, the book Fish. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we ever? Do, do we, we ever? ever? Yeah. There's a story behind that. We know we know that book we intimately know, because – We know oh, the author as well. Oh, uh, well, actually, yeah. That, so that's awesome. But just kind of sharing, right? So kind of on that story. I worked at a place like when, when that kind of was really catching steam and, and uh-huh. going around. Um, I guess there was a version you could buy that came with this like rainbow stuffed fish. Yeah. Well, what we did after that, after going through the thing, we used that, like whenever somebody was like in a sour mood or whatever, like that's what we did. We threw the, the stuffed fish at them, like, hey, cheer up, you know, and, and we would take one of the Pike Street, you know, like, you know, uh, flounder gone downtown or whatever, when we would throw the fish, right? They knew that something was coming and, and like, you you get beamed in the head with a rainbow fish, like you can't be mad after that, right? No, no, no. You can you be thinking straight, but you're not going to be mad either. Yeah. Yeah, this, we, we're actually good friends with one of the authors. We know all the authors. And, and Harry, Harry Paul used to work for Bob in our yeah. department, and he was getting, getting given the opportunity to be a co-author on that book, and he did a fantastic job with it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And if anybody, you know, listeners, if you've never had a chance to actually go to Seattle and see Pike Street, like. It, it wasn't market. stuff that they made up. They do that. They yeah. they chuck the fish. They have fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the point. These guys are dealing with fish guts and stinky and all this other good stuff all day. Hands and ice all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, they, you know, that, that whole journey started with they, they said uh, they just asked a silly question that became very fundamental for them. They said, if we were 
if we were world class, what would that look like? How would it be different than what we're doing now? And then they kept moving towards in that direction. And part of it became, we'd have a lot more fun with what we're doing. And so they started, you know, they tried different things. And one day someone, someone, uh, when they, when they threw a fish, they said, fish, fish go into wherever. And, and everyone repeated it. They go, oh, that was kind of cool. This, and they do that. <laughs> they kept doing it, you know? <laughs> so it's, and, and here's the important part. So they're having fun, but here's the important part to not get lost. When they started that, they were one of seven um, markets, fish markets, in that same center, the Seattle Pike Place. Um, and they, as they got good at it, it impacted sales. They now do in in one morning what they would, uh, how much they would sell in two weeks, yep. because it, it, the fun became contagious, and it's a it's a destination stop. There, when crowds around and watches them selling fish. <laughs> <laughs> and and they get involved and they'll bring them back and help them you know help them they'll help pack fish and they'll get a picture taken with them and it's a whole experience you know and so it's it's very contagious fun is contagious and so is performance yeah and and it, and, and I think that's the key right there what you just said like you you've been talking about this like fun doesn't have to cost anything in that instance fun makes money mm-hmm. yeah. I'd say in every instance. Every instance. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, I agree with you. Because people will be more productive. They'll be more energized. They'll they'll they'll, they'll go past the the time the, the stop time to get it done right. They'll um, whatever it takes to do it right or do above to my best of my ability. You don't you don't get that that commitment from people just by uh, the number you're paying them on their paycheck. You don't you don't get the I'm going to do it until it's done right. You know, it comes from um, the experience of people really enjoying that, what they're doing, who they're doing it with, who they're doing it for. And that's, and that can be, regardless of what company you have, that can be achieved. You can, you can start where you are right now and, and start to move in that direction. And one day you'll cross an invisible line and, and that's what it means to work around here. We always have fun. You, you mean you can't buy buy-in? <laughs> you, 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 can, you can bribe people you can you can give them yeah. uh you can give them you know we're gonna pay them you know give them a boost in pay right now it's a very tight labor market so a lot of people are 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 paying more because they have to to get people but yeah in the short term you can get the people you can get the the behavior but it won't be sustained or after a while, it's like, hey, you need to give me more. You know, he gave to me yeah. last time for nothing. I, I want more. If, if they don't believe it, all we're doing is making them entitled. Yeah. yeah. If the focus is is uh, not on on this stuff, but it's just uh, uh, we're, we're doing it as a bribe, it, it leads to more of a culture of entitlement. Like, what have you done lately for me? And and the, and the employee, they don't have to do anything. Just I'm still here. So keep that, that's why I kind of rail against incentives that are are time-based you know periodic things like employee of the, of the month or or uh, people's birthdays or end of the year holiday party all that is if you celebrate those things then you're reinforcing presence over performance you will get become a culture of entitlement where people are just i came into work where's the you know so I'll give you a, a simple example like and, and most every you know leaders done this one time or another they said they brought in donuts. Now tomorrow's Friday, and they bring in donuts for people. What a nice gesture, you know. And and next Friday it's a beautiful day out. So you bring in donuts again. What happens the next Friday after that? 
hey, where's the donuts? It's Donut Friday. <laughs> and right. now, now the donuts that you're bringing in at your own cost, even, you know, that's not good enough. Can we get some with the little sprinklers on them? And you're taking orders for bear claws and fruit fillings. And you're going, what's wrong with this picture? I was just being nice. And but now that's something a... I, I have to do. <laughs> and, and they don't really seem to appreciate it. They expect it for, for nothing. Bob, you you, you that... slipped on the entitlement slope. Well, Bob, that doesn't happen for turkeys and hams, does it, for at the end of the yeah. year? Yeah, yeah. Well, Mario can tell his own story on that. <laughs> I was trying to do the right thing, and 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 I I bought <laughs> I bought for Christmas. I had uh, I think sixteen, seventeen employees. So I want to, you know, I'm going to step it up here. Yeah. I bought them each a a honey baked ham. This is you know like sixty bucks each. This is a nice <laughs> gift. And and Mario and one other person said, Bob, I know just who to give this to. And I go, What what do you mean? He goes. Well, he's Jewish, and I don't eat ham. I go, oh man, it's stupid me, you know. So this is where the, the responsible leader would kind of check it out, and instead of just doing whatever pops in their head, uh, so you can you can have the right intentions and still get it wrong, and taking yeah. care to to get it right is is worth the effort. So I would add on to that is one of the best, and we put this in the book here. One of the do's, one of the five do's is make sure you get to know your people really well, what they want, what they value. Another, and we have, we have, you know, rules to get it right in just a few, but another one that's really key, Mario, that, that uh, we put in the book was uh, the fun you have, uh, don't do it at someone else's expense. Oh yeah. So we're not, we're not, we don't advocate pranks and that type of stuff because what happens is, is, for two seconds, it's funny, and then someone's really upset. You know that they got the bonehead award for the biggest mistake of the week, and 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 well, you know, wait a minute. If I had the support to do this job right, I wouldn't have made that mistake. You know, now they're ready to quit, and and so don't don't have fun at someone else's expense. No one is a scapegoat. That has got to be a, an honor in yeah. in uh, as, as colleagues and working together. We we used to have somebody pass around the doormat award and they would give that every week to somebody who who performed the worst and, and like yeah. you were saying earlier earl it's like you can't focus on the negative you got to focus on the positive yeah no when, when you do it really it backfires and it backfires yeah. in a very personal nature and then people are really heated or then they and then if you do it you know if they don't quit then they're not going to give it their best anymore and and in worst case scenario they and start sabotaging things so yeah. and that's and that's very real that does happen that that's the worst thing that can happen is have an employee that, that quits and stays uh, exactly uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, look, on the job <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> look th- this has been outstanding and, and i wish we we had another well we, we're probably gonna have to have you guys back on because i feel like we could talk pretty much all day here and and we've already been talking for about uh you know closed in on 50 minutes here man time has flown we've, we've and this is just one book fun. i've got 30 other ones <laughs> i know right <laughs> Earl, um, you, you got to get him back to talk about this book here uh thousand one ways to engage employees oh, help yeah, people yeah. do better what they do better i love it yeah. definitely but you know um is there anything like we covered a lot is there anything that we haven't had a chance? So, you know, down, Mario, you guys down. can't see the video here, but but now Mario is just going through the library. Wait a minute, wait a minute, honey. Nothing. No, no, I'll be there in a second, honey. I'm talking to Cousin Earl. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover that, that you gentlemen want to leave listeners with? The longest journey starts with the first step. 
So if you're if you're thinking, well, how can uh, this thing, this stuff is not going to work where I work, you know, it's a, it's too it's too uh, has too much hardening of the arteries of the attitudes rather, and and my or my boss, the boss will never go for it. It's like try one thing, you know, try and it doesn't have to be um, boss approved. You can do it. In fact, I got a great a great story. You mentioned Pike's Place in Seattle. I was speaking in Seattle to 800 people in HR, and uh, I saw this person. I go, you look really familiar. He goes, yeah, I heard you speak six weeks ago when you were talking in Seattle. I had to come back and tell you what happened. I go, well, what, what happened? And she goes, well, I left the room with one thing in mind. This stuff is real, and I'm doing it. I'm not asking permission. I'm going back, and I'm doing it with my group. And I said, well, what did you do? She says, we did a lot of stuff. We did. We created a happiness committee. It had five people on it. Uh, no one knew who they were. It was anonymous, but any one of those five people could say, it's time to do something. Morale's low, or we just you know, finished that project, so we got to celebrate. And, and, well, what types of things would you do? Said, well, we had a picnic up on the roof in downtown Seattle where we're based, or or we we bartered meeting space um, with a company on the next block. There's a limo company. We give them meeting space for the meetings once a month. They give us free limo rides that we can use to celebrate different occasions, and on and on, just just kind of just thrifty and, and fun and crazy. And she said, our, our department just energized. And other people, other other people say, "What are you guys doing over there? You guys are on fire!" You go, "Hey, come to the next meeting. There's no secrets here." And, and long story short, it uh, from that point of that 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 con- first conversation where she heard me talk. Fast forward, uh, 18 months later, that company Perkins Coy, a law firm of all places, entered the best places to work in America, number 23 on the list. I would say from one person. In the middle of the organization, not at the top. She was a manager in the finance department. This so, is a potential that anyone listening has with wherever you're working. So every individual can make a difference. That was a law firm. I also want to point out, Earl, that we've got examples in here from the government, from the military, from NASA. Healthcare. Healthcare. So you can't Intel. say, oh, it's we're a nonprofit. We have a limited budget. Mm-hmm. we got great examples in here how they make it happen. Or, yeah. or like we mentioned, uh, Disney, and like I said, I've worked with Disney for a lot. And at Walt Disney World, where Mario and I met, they, they now have 250 different programs to celebrate excellence and success. As simple as you're given a token you can use in the vending machine to get a snack on up to their Partners in Excellence Award, the whole spectrum. And, and some people say, oh, well, if we were Disney, it would be easy too, you know? <laughs> It's like, yeah, but Disney wasn't always Disney like that. Disney was started with an idea and a vision. And and when Walt Disney, early in his career, he realized that you can't yell at someone in the back room, expect them to go out and deal with the client like nothing was a problem. No one can, you know, segment their life that much. So right. he, he had the epiphany early, early uh, in his career that he said, if I ever have a chance to manage other people, have the fortune to have people work for me, I will treat them like they're my customer. Because yeah. if I do that well, they will treat our, the, the organization's customer in a like manner. And so that is that is the foundation of Disney's success. Yeah. I'm not sure what the $8 billion uh, enterprise now, it all rests right on that. Get the best out of people by treating them well and having them be delighted to do their best. 
Yeah, it's it's it reminds me of the old Napoleon quote. You know, he he was famously said, you know, I could conquer the world with enough ribbons and baubles. There you and, go. And People Disney's, will men yeah. will die for ribbons. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, gentlemen, um, you know, obviously, I'm going to have you know links to to the book, and I'm I'm encouraging every listener right now go get yourself a copy of Work Made Fun Gets Done. Uh, as fact, he said, just to, just to sweeten the pot. We are we are willing to give away to the first ten people that uh, email uh, email. This, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Email uh, me their address. We will send them a complimentary copy of the book signed. Oh, that is signed. <laughs> that is outstanding, gentlemen. I, I really really appreciate it. Well, that goes into the next question I was going to ask. Is it you know folks want to get a copy of the book? They want to find out more about Doctor Bob and Mario. What are what are great ways for them to find out more about you guys and Doctor, and, and get more of this content? DrBobNelson.com. D-R-B-O-B-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. We have a online store there. We're not just this book, but all, all my books are featured at discounted prices, cheaper than Amazon. Um, you you can plus, get the book anywhere, uh, just about anywhere books are, are sold, but you'll get a far greater discount on the website. And then uh, again, my email is bob at drbobnelson.com for the, the first uh, 10 people from your show that, that reference your show and say, hey, I heard this offer. Uh, I, I want to get your book. You got to give me your your mailing address. It's not it's not a magical book. I need a physical address to send it to. Uh, and, but uh, first 10 people that do that will get one of these showing up at their doorstep. Outstanding. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much for for having this great discussion, for for having a blast. Like, I, I just want to say this is hands down the most fun I've had. And uh, I love you with, guys. With for your clothes up. on, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, again, I just want to say thank you for 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 preaching this this message. For, for helping people get it, for helping make workplaces more fun. Thank you for having this discussion with me and my listeners. I really appreciate you guys. Simplify. At ease. At ease. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown!
On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.